Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aww, yeah? In this podcast lesson, Ethan and I discuss and teach you 12 English idioms and expressions with nationalities or countries. Some are a little confusing, but many of them do make sense and we discuss where they may have originated from. We also have an exclusive expression over on our Instagram at reallife.english, so make sure you head over there straight after you finish listening to this episode. Yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world, this is Ethan from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and special way to learn English. So download this podcast and listen to it while you're walking down the street, in line at the bank, surfing a killer wave, or even dancing around in your living room. Oh yeah. I'm joined here in the Barcelona studio, as always, by the lovely Andrea. How's it going, Andrea? I'm doing great, thanks. How about you? I'm fantastic. So what would it mean if you're surfing a killer wave? Well, if a wave is killer, well, you could probably <laughs> you could probably explain this maybe a little bit better than I would, just because mm -hmm. we don't necessarily surf that much in the UK, mm -hmm. unless you're maybe living somewhere near the coast. I know people tend to surf a lot in the south of England, but I imagine a killer wave to be a really huge wave, a really big one that's kind of dangerous. Yeah. I guess that could like literally be killer, right? Like it's going to, it could kill you. Yeah. We use killer a lot too, though, for something that's like fantastic. It's kind of a slang, I guess, in that term. So it also just mean like it's a great wave, you know, it's like a perfect wave. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Would you use killer in that way in the UK? Um, Just thinking about it right now off the top of my head, not really. I think it's definitely more of an American expression. Mm -hmm. So probably in the UK, you might say more like wicked or something like that, right? Yeah. Definitely, yeah, we would probably say wicked. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So today we are going to be talking about some fun expressions and idioms that have to do with different nationalities or countries. So I think some of them maybe could be a bit confusing. Some of them we're not even sure where they come from, but some of them I think make a lot of sense as well, right? Definitely. I think a lot make sense. And then, you know, there are some there that you would think, what on earth does that mean? <laughs> so we're going to clear that up for you, hopefully. But, you know, we'll try and discover where it comes from. And also you can start to understand them and maybe even start using them. Exactly. But before we get into any of that, we have a fantastic killer shout out to one of our audience members out there. So today's shout out comes from Ada Hernandez, I think it is from the United States, to my favorite global citizens. Since I found you guys, I have been super motivated to keep going learning English. I'm a native Spanish speaker, but now I'm living in San Diego, California. I work for an international airline and I feel so comfortable talking and imagine all the places where you have been in your life. In some way, I can understand very deeply when you say that we are global citizens. Even sometimes I have the crazy idea that maybe we already met before. Thank you for all the amazing and useful podcasts. 
Oh yeah. So Ida, I wonder if maybe she's from here, from from Catalonia or something, because that's a really common name here, right? Oh, I haven't met anyone named that, but oh, I really. Yeah, I haven't. Have you? Yeah, I know tons ah. of Idas. <laughs> See, I pronounced it Ada because mm-hmm. obviously in we 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 have the A and the I that makes the A sound. But Ida, I guess, is the correct way to pronounce it. Probably, I think. But I guess it'll depend where exactly she's from in Spain. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> maybe we'll see you if you're ever here in Barcelona. We might bump into you on the street. And that was a really incredible shout out Ida. We really appreciate it. So if you want us to shout you out as well, it's really simple. Just like Ida, head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening to us and leave us a five-star review. And the really fantastic thing is when you do this, you're helping other people from around the world to also learn with us. So that said, let's take a look at today's quote. All right. So today's quote is one of my all-time favorites. It's from Seneca, who was Seneca Greek? No, I think he was Roman. I I think maybe he was born in Spain, but he's a Roman philosopher. All right, that could be. He's a Stoicist, I believe. So uh, he was like one of the founders of the Stoic philosophy, if I'm not mistaken. So he says, I was not born for one corner. The whole world is my native land. I think this is a really great anthem for global citizens as kind of uh, Ida had shared with us. I think that that's kind of one of the reasons this is one of my favorites is because I definitely have that that sentiment is that I've I've traveled a lot and stuff and it's definitely given me this feeling meeting people from all around the world that, you know, I might have been born in the United States, but, you know, I'm not just American. I'm a global citizen. I can feel connections to many different places in the world and make friends from anywhere, right? Yeah, I think it's an incredible quote and I think it's very fitting for today's podcast, but also just a reminder that we are all global citizens mm-hmm. and that the world is our native land. I just just love that I think I think that's a great quote and something that we can all live by oh uh, yeah so that said let's take a bit of a trip around the world with some of these expressions all right so maybe the first one do you feel it pretty near and dear to heart <laughs> I kind of do I really like this one because I can imagine you know people really feeling it and meaning it. I think this is probably one that isn't as confusing. It does make sense. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the first one is, it's all Greek to me. Mm -hmm. So what exactly does that mean if you say something is all Greek to you? It means that you, well, I probably wouldn't use it (laughs) so much because if it's all Greek to me, I would understand it. But generally someone would use this when they don't understand something. It's very confusing. You would say, oh, it's all Greek to me because they wouldn't understand it, whether they were reading it or listening to it or anything like that. Yeah, I kind of feel this way if I'm reading like anything from the government, like any legal papers, like even if it's in English, it's kind of like written in this language that you're not really sure what it's trying to say. And you could say like, it's all Greek to me. I I can't understand what this is trying to say. Exactly. And it's a really common one, I think, that natives Mm -hmm. use a lot to, to describe when they are feeling this way. Yeah. But if you speak Greek, then it's like you almost have to say another territory or something, right? Yeah. Like maybe I would say... I don't know, it's all Russian to me or, (laughs) you know, or it's all, 
I don't, I can't think of any now, but really <laughs> difficult language to learn, basically. Exactly. I've actually had a friend who was from Poland and she would say something along the lines like, it's it's Chinese for me. We'll have to actually ask Agnieszka, who works with us and who's been on the podcast a couple of times. I wonder if the literal expression from there is Chinese, but I think like most languages probably have some sort of variation of this. So it kind of might be interesting to see what different languages, different countries use. Yeah, that would be really interesting. You can even let us know as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the the next one will stay in Europe, I guess. Mm -hmm. So this one is from Holland. I think that's kind of a tricky country as well when you're speaking English because the country is the Netherlands and sometimes we call it Holland as well, right? Yeah. And the people and the language are Dutch. So it has to do with people from the Netherlands or from Holland, right? So what is this expression? The expression is to go Dutch. To go Dutch. So this you might do on a date, right? If you're kind of like a modern a modern individual? Yeah, probably. And I'm not sure if this one is more American initially and then it kind of came over to the UK. I don't know. Would would you use it a lot in, in the US? Yeah, in the US it's really common. I think especially nowadays kind of, you know what they say, like chivalry is dead. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So chivalry, it's kind of how men should act towards women, right? So it's like opening a door or pulling out a woman's seat before she sits down or standing up if she goes to the bathroom or kind of like things that classically were good manners. But I think nowadays as we have kind of more and more of a feminist movement, more and more equality, a lot of that is going away. Uh, so maybe if you're going on a date with a modern woman, then you might want to go Dutch. You might split the bill. Yeah, so that's exactly what it means. It means that you split the bill. So you could even just say, let's split the bill. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people would use this expression to say that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And there's another expression that we have from Holland. And if we have any Dutch people out there, we're sorry if this is at all insulting. It's not our intention. We're just teaching the language. But what is this one, Andrea? So this one is Dutch courage. So Dutch courage. What exactly is that? So it's when you're in a situation where you're a bit nervous or you're feeling a little bit afraid or shy, you might say, oh, I need a bit of Dutch courage. And I think historically what that would mean is people would like need some alcohol or a drink, <laughs> you know, like to loosen up and to, to have the courage to do what they are a bit nervous to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where maybe some people might find it offensive. I'm not sure what the origin is of this one, but people do use it in the UK. And as you've explained to me as well in the US too, right? Mm -hmm. In the US, I have actually, I'm not sure I've heard this one before. I believe that we would say Irish courage. Okay. So we, I guess it's just maybe a perception culturally yeah. of another culture that must drink a lot of alcohol. Yeah. So maybe this one is a little bit stereotypical. Mm -hmm. So maybe just have caution with it, be aware of it, but maybe, maybe it's not as widely used now. Mm -hmm. There's actually a similar one to that, that I just thought of that we might say in the U S like a phrasal verb to Irish up something. And that means to add alcohol to it. So you could say you're going to Irish up your coffee, like you're going to add a bit of whiskey to it or something to, I don't know, maybe if you're someone who likes drinking in the morning, then you could Irish up your coffee with a bit of alcohol. Yeah, that's an interesting one as well. <laughs> I have lots of Irish friends and I mean, they even talk to me as well about some aspects of the culture to do with alcohol. So mm -hmm. Um, I think it's just to do with that really, isn't it? I've met some Irish people that actually find it kind of like endearing, like they're, they're kind of proud of that, that they have, uh, that they're not a lightweight. 
Yeah. What does that mean? If you're a lightweight, it means that you can't drink a lot of alcohol. So yeah, I guess Irish people as a general nationality, they're able to drink more than maybe some other cultures. Yeah. I'm a complete lightweight because <laughs> I don't, I don't drink very often. So when I do, it's like one's enough for me. <laughs> Great. So the next one moving across the pond, as we might say to the United States. This is one that we'll say a lot in the USA. I'm not sure, would you know what it means in the UK? We would, but to be honest with you, well, let's explain what it is and then I'll tell <laughs> you a little bit where there might be a little bit of controversy just because. So yeah, I'll explain in a little bit. So we would say that something is as American as apple pie. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean exactly? If something is as American as apple pie, we say like apple pie, is like the most American dessert probably that you can get is um, might be like American pie a la mode or American pie that means like with ice cream with some vanilla ice cream and so if we say something is as American as apple pie it means it's extremely American you can't be more American than that so you could say for example that uh, maybe a friend of yours is as American as apple pie meaning that person is very typical American or you could say I don't know owning a Ford truck is as American as apple pie it's like an extremely American thing yeah that does make sense. It's like the, the song as well, isn't it? Bye Bye Miss American Pie. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the reason why maybe this is a little bit controversial, I completely agree with it. And I know that apple pie is very American, but I feel like apple pie is also very British. Mm -hmm. Like we love it as well, like Bramley apple pie, which is uh, Bramley is a type of apple that's grown in the UK and, you know, we grow a lot of apples and so it's a very typical British dessert too. Mm -hmm. So in terms of being controversial, that's why, you know, if you say something is as American as apple pie, some Brits might be a bit like, well, why is it American? It's British. <laughs> so there might be some arguments there. It's not a really great expression for saying it's as American as apple pie and it's also extremely British because it's a <laughs> bit contradictory. Uh, yeah. What does that mean? Contradictory? Contradictory that it goes against itself. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I wonder if some Brits would agree with me, but growing up, mm -hmm. we would eat a lot of apple pie. I know my grandmother loves apple pie and I'm, I really want to eat some now actually <laughs> talking about it, especially when you mentioned vanilla ice cream with it. It sounds so good. Yeah, especially fresh out of the oven, hot. Oh yeah, perfect. Is there any like equivalent for the UK that you would say like something is as British as something? Mm, I can't think of one at the moment. Maybe we can come up with something, I don't know, as British as shepherd's pie or something like that. Yeah, we can create <laughs> our own one. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if there was some way to understand real English without getting lost and without getting bored? Well, now there is. With our real life native immersion course, we will take you on a 41 week real life adventure of the English language. Each week exploring a different topic connected to our goal to help you understand and use real native English and make it a permanent part of your life in a way that is fun, natural, and convenient. The best part is you can try it for free with our three part power learning series. We will send it to your email. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod, that's P-O-D, to sign up. Now, let's get back to today's podcast lesson. So, another one from the USA. Uh, have you ever heard someone say a New York minute? I'll be back in a New York minute. I have, but I never really thought about what it meant. I kind of gauged 
had an idea of of what it could mean. So I have heard it, but we don't use it that much in the UK. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard it quite a bit. I don't I don't know if I'd use it so much. I bet in New York they probably use it more. But it's uh, a New York minute means a second. And I think that comes from like basically that people say time moves faster in New York because people are always so busy. People are always doing things. There's always activity happening in New York. And so when you say New York minute, uh, it's actually referring to a second. So if you say I'll be back in a New York minute, it means I'll be back in a second. Or I don't know if you say like that, it'll it'll only take you a New York minute to get somewhere that you'll be there extremely fast. I like that one. It makes sense. But it's also I just like the way it sounds a New York minute. It's, <laughs> it's really cool. I might start using it. So sophisticated. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we can move back over to Europe, right? So yeah. going back in time a bit. The next one, I think it can translate to a lot of other languages as well, right? Yes, definitely. Because the funny thing is you would use this one when you're traveling and you might not actually be in this place. You'd be in a different place, but mm-hmm. you would still use this expression. The expression is when in Rome and you might extend it to say when in rome do as romans do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an, that's one we would use all the time as well and it's kind of like a great one if you like to travel because at least for me I, that's definitely kind of my mentality is like when in rome. So it's kind of like that you are traveling you're in a new place then you might as well kind of do things like the locals. So maybe you try some food that seems like really weird to you that you wouldn't normally eat at home or you do something you dress in a different way because that's how the locals dress. Exactly. It's like fully immersing yourself in the culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you are in Italy, for example, you would eat pasta a lot. I suppose some people <laughs> might think eat a lot of pasta, pizza, and just do other things that, like you said, the locals would do. Exactly. So that's a really fantastic one, I think, for English learners as well, because if you're going to be going anywhere to another country or anything, then that's a fantastic one to use that you're going to try some new things. Definitely. So we have another one that uses uh, the city of Rome as well. What's that one? Rome wasn't built in a day. And what does that mean? So this is used when, if for example, you're working on something and someone is trying to rush you mm-hmm. to finish it quickly, you might say, give me some time. Rome wasn't built in a day. So it means that, you know, you need to spend a little bit more time to do something properly. And if you think about the city of ancient Rome, Mm -hmm. like the amount of time that it would have taken to build it and to develop it, it wasn't just done like that. Yeah, perfect. So that's a really great one to use. Uh, Like Andrea said, if you're working on anything and someone is pressuring you, then you can say Rome wasn't built in a day. I think that's like perfect for your English as well, that you're not going to learn English in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. So the next one going north a bit to France. We actually explained this, I think, on a recent podcast. What was it? Yeah, we did. It's pardon my French. Exactly. So when would you use this? So we would use this when swearing or saying a curse word or just something that someone might be offended by. So if, for example, you're having a conversation with someone and then you swear, you might say, pardon my French. (laughs) And, you know, you're not, it's like you're not really apologizing for swearing. It's just maybe if the other person would find it offensive or just recognizing the fact that you cursed or that you swore, we would use this, although you're not really speaking French. Yeah, totally. I think it's uh, also used a lot for kind of permission, maybe. If you'll say it like, pardon my French, but blah, blah, blah. And before you actually like say the curse word as a way to kind of be like, I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to curse and sorry about it, but it's appropriate in this moment, I feel. Uh, that can be like a really great one to use that we natives use a lot 
I'm not sure if the French also like curse a lot or where exactly this came from. Yeah, I'm not sure if they do curse a lot or if we are just <laughs> kind of imagining that they do and created this expression. It'll be interesting to find out. Yeah, poor the the Dutch and the Irish are there drinking and the French are there cursing. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what other stereotypes are there? Exactly. So going a bit further east, what's the next one? I really like this one. It's not for all the tea in China. All right. So what does that mean? So this one means, for example, if someone is saying, oh, would you ever do this? You might say not for all the tea in China. So it means you would never do it. Mm -hmm. Like someone might say, not even if you paid me or not even if you paid me a million pounds or a million dollars, you could use this expression instead. So there is no way that you would do that. That's mm -hmm. what it means. I think one that I've, I've heard this one as well, but I think one that maybe we use more commonly than this might be like not for a million dollars or not in a million years. Oh yeah, not in a million years. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. That's that's one that we use a lot as well. And I like this one because it makes sense because obviously tea originates from China. Mm -hmm. So it makes a lot of sense. It's not one of those really perplexing or confusing expressions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's not so offensive either because it's actually based on like economic truth that probably most of the tea in the world is produced in China, right? Exactly. So I think that's a really fantastic one you can use or you can also use the alternatives that we talked about. So going to your homeland, <laughs> what's this next one? I love this one. I mean, we would, we use this so much, even someone would even say it them about themselves. So it's can talk for England. So for example, you might be talking with someone and they will say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I can talk for England. You better go now. I know you have lots of things to do and I've taken up too much of your time. So it's when someone talks a lot or someone is really chatty, you might say it about yourself. Or you might say to someone, oh, you know, my friend, she can talk for England. And then, like, oh, yeah, I remember her or something like that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really interesting one. I haven't ever heard that uh, in the US. I'm not sure if we would use that one. But we might say, like, I could talk for ages, yeah. kind of meaning that for ages, meaning a very long time. So I guess it, it means, like something historical about like that England is has a very large history or something like that? Yeah, I think maybe it's to do with like, I just will not shut up. And <laughs> I can I can talk for England like I could do it competitively or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but it would be interesting to know if in some countries they would say it for their country, like, mm -hmm. oh, she can talk for Spain or, you know, <laughs> she can talk for the US. Well, she can talk for Greece. I don't know. I've never heard it, but maybe other countries have this one or something similar. Mm -hmm. It could be quite interesting. So it's really interesting. It's like a competitive, it's like <laughs> that you could almost like represent in the Olympics for talking. Exactly. For your yeah. <laughs> so that's, a, I guess, a great one to use if you're in the UK. In the USA, I'm not sure if people will understand it, but if there's anyone out there listening who's from the US as well and they, they have heard this before, then feel free to correct me. And we have only a couple more to finish up. So the next one, maybe we're hoping to experience a little bit this year. Yeah, I feel like we kind of are a little bit. I feel like a couple of weeks ago, there was a week where it was really cold and mm -hmm. I just always felt cold and I took out my winter wardrobe and now it feels a little bit warmer again. Mm -hmm. So this expression is Indian summer. Indian summer. So we'd use this in the UK or the USA. And what exactly does that mean? So it's usually this time of year in autumn or mm -hmm. you would say fall. Exactly. But you'd pronounce it differently. How would you say it? Fall. 
Yeah, and I say fall mm-hmm. because we don't use this word to describe the season. Mm-hmm. We say autumn in the UK. So during this time of year where it starts to get a bit cooler, you know, we're working towards it being winter, but you have some warmer weather for this time of year. So we would call it an Indian summer. Mm -hmm. I wonder what this comes from, if it's like very common in India to have a warmer fall. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. I think it's because this time of year, it's probably still warm in in many parts of India. Mm -hmm. I can't speak for the whole country. I've only visited there once, but... (laughs) I went over the Christmas period a few years back and it was definitely a lot warmer in many parts that I visited. I was in the north and in many parts it was very warm. Not Mm -hmm. quite as hot as summer, but warm enough not to, you know, to wear a t-shirt and not to need a coat. Mm -hmm. So this is interesting because like in the USA, I always imagine this more that we, we say Indians, it's not the best term, but we say Indians sometimes referring to Native Americans, to to the people who were there before the Europeans came. And so I always thought that it was respecting that. I thought it came from something having to do with the Native American, like a Native American summer. But I think it makes a lot more sense that it comes from like the country of India. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. Always when we refer to something that's Indian, it's always to do with the country, Mm -hmm. India. And I guess because we don't have the reference as much, maybe not being from the US, we would always refer to Native American Indians if we were doing so. But we mm-hmm. tend to a lot less, I suppose, just because we don't have that that contact. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So I, I think it's kind of like a, one of those words that when you say Indian in the US, people can think either. They can think someone from India, but I think we think really commonly Native Americans since that's like a pretty rich part of our past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So the final one, uh, I believe this is one that we use more in the USA than, than in the UK, if you guys use it at all. And that's a Mexican standoff. Yeah, I haven't heard this one, so I'm not sure how how much people use it in the UK. But what does it mean exactly? Do you know what a standoff is? So a standoff is when you're up against someone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's kind of like the in the old times when you like disrespected someone then or you had like an enemy or something then they kind of you would take your guns and you would like stand far away from each other and then you would kind of like turn and shoot and that was a standoff like if you watch any western movies that's a very common thing right okay yeah that totally makes sense now i understand yeah so a mexican standoff i mean it's kind of the same idea that you can think of like the old west and mexico and things like this and a mexican standoff if you say it in this way it means basically that two people are arguing and they can't come to an agreement so you'd say like there's you know they're having a mexican standoff or there is a mexican standoff meaning that you know they're not coming to peace they're not coming to an agreement okay so no one's winning but it's not getting resolved either exactly it just keeps going exactly you could say like uh this maybe even you could hear it maybe in the business world that you know there's a, a mexican standoff between these two companies that they kind of can't come to an agreement about their merger or something like that Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So that said, we have a final expression, but you're going to find that only over on our Instagram. So be sure to check out that after you finish listening to this over at reallife.english. And we look forward to seeing you over there. So we'll see you next week on the Real Life English Podcast. Ah, yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. 
and connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Then I have a couple great recommendations for you. First of all, check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Second, if you like our podcast, then our real-life native immersion course is perfect for you. It is the next best thing to studying abroad in an English-speaking country. Try it for free with our three-part power learning series. Just go to reallifeglobal.com slash pod to sign up. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.